Over the last 20 years working in restaurants, I met a lot of really interesting people. Uh, Bourdain called us pirates and misfits, and he couldn't be more right. Um, we really were, um, I say were, we are a hodgepodge of cultures and backgrounds, and we get to play with food all day, and we get to make a living doing that, and it's pretty damn awesome. This is what Inside the Pressure Cooker is all about. It's about making some new friends and sharing some stories with some old friends. And listen, we all know that life inside a kitchen is not for everyone. We've seen plenty of people come and go that thought they could hack it, and they couldn't. Um, it really does take a special someone not only to survive, but to really thrive in an environment of just what feels like complete fucking chaos but it's pretty damn controlled. And then just the constant pressure and the stupid hours you put in, not to mention it can be a very thankless job. Before you know it, it's all in your blood and it's the only thing you know and you need more. It's an addiction. This is the bond that all line cooks and chefs share. Um, it's becoming the heartbeat of the kitchen, as cliche as that fucking sounds, but it's in our blood which means it's fucking pulsing through our veins, and it's what we live for. This is Chad Kelly, and I've been slinging pans for over 25 years. And in that time, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of many successful kitchen teams, many of which I had the privilege of leading. And during those final few years of my career, I found that my passion was not only just in cooking, but it was the people. And it was mentoring the next generation of chefs. Hey, quick interruption before we jump on to the rest of this. Two things. First, there's a link in the, in the show notes that, well, it's not really a link. It's my email. Please, I want to hear some feedback from y'all. What do you love? What do you not love? Um, this is how I learn. And the second part, I've set up a Patreon account for this podcast. Uh, the link is also in the show notes below. Please, if you're able to, we would love any contribution you're able to support us with. We all have costs that we need to try to cover with this show, and any support would be greatly, greatly appreciated. All right, Steve-O. Tell everybody, who who are you? Hi, I'm Stephen Lawson. I've been cooking for about eight years. I really enjoy it. And besides cooking, I just hang out with friends and just be me. Just be you? Yeah. All right. So you've been cooking for eight years. Uh, what what got you into cooking? Uh, I picked up a I, – well, I worked in fast food first. And that was just a bullshit high school job. And then uh, there was a cool new spot opening up in Denton. Uh, one of my buddies was going to be a buster up there. And he said they were hiring and paying pretty well. So I was like, I'll go try that. I'll be a dishwasher. And cooking was never supposed to be the my job, my ideal job. But I ended up falling in love with it. So What was your ideal job then? Uh, just working in an office, I guess. Or business. Marketing. Marketing. Okay. Yeah. Um, you went to school, right? You got a degree? Yeah, I did go to school. Okay. No degree. Oh, no, no degree. degree. What were you studying before that then? Business and marketing. Oh, business and marketing. So you just wanted to get into business and marketing? Yeah. Okay. I wanted to own my I wanted to own my own business. I don't know what, but something. All right. So and then you just kind of fell into cooking then, huh? Yeah. Okay. I started dishwashing. Uh got a lot of prep thrown at me. 
like not a lot of prep, but a lot of bullshit prep, like cutting fries and making little sauces. Eventually moved up to through the line up to sous chef, and I really enjoyed it all. Nice. And but how did how did you know it was for you then? I mean, you were going to go to school for marketing. You're in business. You thought there was something there. Is otherwise you wouldn't of. Um, and then you just kind of fell into cooking. Just literally fell into it. Like, how did you know? Uh, I guess after the first couple of years when I got on the line, I noticed a lot of people were like me, just like kind of degenerates. I've always kind of been a degenerate a little bit. And I was like, all these people are really cool. I can go out and have some drinks. We can, I was always, I was, uh, I was always with my friends. So that's why I enjoyed it. And then that made me love the job. Okay. So is that what you're going to it for every day then? You're going for... It's like the camaraderie of it all. The camaraderie back then, but now I take it very, very seriously. Well, you know, we all kind of take it serious. You know, it's um, the camaraderie kind of gives you an almost an excuse and why you enjoy it. Um, But even then, like there's that. It keeps me coming back. Yeah. All right. Was there a specific moment that you can think of? That you were just like, fuck yeah, this is it. This is, fuck the business. Fuck the opening, all that other stuff I wanted to do. I'm cooking. This is, I'm going to be a chef. Uh, I guess my first busy night on like flat top or saute. Slinging out a busy shift it with a f- flawlessly is one of the best feelings in the world. And then I was like, this is for me. I think this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Nice. So just getting your ass kicked one day and you're just like, <laughs> this is it. I want more of it. Yeah, this is this is fun. I mean, just the self-accomplishment, you know? All right. And, and the fact that you can always get better at it. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And it's so earlier, uh, we kind of talked offline. And in what I, I asked kind of what inspired you. And you said yourself to get better. Like you're kind of, you're always after that, that chase to get better. Um, How are you working on that right now? I just go into work every day and try and get better at what I'm doing. I'm working saute right now at the place I'm at. And I just try to make every dish better every time I go in. When you say better every time, like what, like translate that. Like is, I mean, you're following a specific recipe, right? Oh, for sure. Yes. So, but just just making sure it's consistent, pl- consistently plated every time, garnished the right way, and looking nice, and also efficiency and speed at it. Okay. Do you do anything at home or when you're not at work um, to kind of improve yourself with that? Or I've been trying to cook more at home, and I feel like cooking at home helps you be better at work. It's sometimes okay. hard though, just like for everyone else, you know. <laughs> sometimes you just don't want to cook. No. No. Yeah, I get it. You know, even here for me with my wife and all her friends, they're like, oh, you must cook all the time. I mean, I do now. Um, but back up until a few years ago, no, I never cooked at home. And it was just like, yeah, you know, cobbler's son has no shoes. So I get it. Last thing, I mean, when I was cooking full time too, I think I'd come home, my dinner would be like a beer and a Easy Mac. For sure. Yeah, or just so. like I, fa- fast food or ramen or just like sometimes no food at all. 
Yeah, because I, I would I remember you cook all day and you've got the adrenaline, everything's going, you finally leave. And then I would, it'd take me about half an hour or so, 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, fuck, I'm hungry. I realized I hadn't actually eaten anything. And then that's when I'd pick mm-hmm. up fast food and um, yeah, <laughs> the healthiest diet ever. For sure. So what else inspires you? I mean, there's got to be something out there that you're just like, man, this is awesome. I love this. I mean, you're chasing a dream now. You've in a period of eight years, you've gone from dishwasher to a sous chef. I mean, you're as a sous at a, a pretty high end hotel in, in Dallas. Um, so, I mean, you're doing a lot of things right. What's pushing you more to? Uh, I like it. It comes back to me being better and just like going to the next level of cooking. I've done the approachable fine dining. Now I'm pushing for the fine dining. That way I'm pretty well rounded in all aspects to be an actual sous chef. Approachable fine dining. That's the first time I've heard that term. Yeah, it's what my chef said it, and, like, honestly, it made, like, perfect sense. Like, it's right there on the bubble of being fine dining, but it's not, like, I don't know. It's normal people. It's not pretentious. It's not pretentious, yeah. yes. I gotcha. So, I mean, it's it's great food presented well without the pretentiousness, but probably the fine dining price tag. Exactly. It's still very expensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, let's talk shifts. This is probably at the hotel as well. The shift that no one speaks of. Now, there's probably plenty of brunch shifts that you can recall. Um, For sure. But what are some other nightmare shifts where you're just like, I just don't even want to revisit those anymore? Honestly, I worked every holiday last year. Like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's, Valentine's Day. And Thanksgiving and Christmas shifts were like the saddest and roughest shifts I've ever had in my life. Just because, like, it's all these lonely people coming out to eat because they don't have any family to go to or whatever. And also, everyone, I don't know, I feel like the worst people come out. Really? Yeah, it was not fun. We also did, like, over 500 covers. God. So it was just busier than shit. And the clientele there is just... They just weren't happy. I mean, they, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, obviously Christmas and I was by myself. I mean, you're going to mentally, you're going to be, you know, not in the greatest of places. Um, because you're for the most part, everybody's used to spending some time with family. Exactly. But I mean, what, did you have a lot of single diners or was it smaller groups? We had a lot of couples. We had a couple of single diners and we had a lot of families that seemed like they just like did not enjoy each other's company. You know, kids. That's called the holidays, man. Yeah, for sure. But I don't know. I grew up. (laughs) I grew up holidays being, you know, all the the whole family together and having a good time, and not like, you know, it was. It might have been a facade, but it was still fun. No, family. It's always great to um, get back together with some family for a period of time. My grandmother had the the greatest quote um, is. Uh, family is like seafood. After about three days, they start to stink. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but yeah, it was, that was, and even then, that was back when we all kind of lived in the same area when I grew up in California. Now, I mean, we're kind of uh-huh. spread out a little bit. So uh, usually there's more traveling that's involved. 
Um, so if it's us staying at uh, my in-laws or if they're coming up to here, yeah, everything works out well. And then, then all of a sudden it's like, all right, time for y'all. Can y'all please, can y'all, can y'all please go home? <laughs> yeah. It was, it's just, you could tell it was, it, it starts working on my wife's nerves and I'm like, oh man, something's going to happen. But I mean, for sure. did you guys run like prefix um, during that time or was it just still full menus and it was like partially full menu. We had like a special dinner plate and a special Thanksgiving plate, you know? <laughs> so you're still serving Thanksgiving dinner then? Yeah, but it was a little bit more. Like we did like a turkey roulade with some nice cranberry sauce and like glazed carrots and a pumpkin uh, or like sweet potato puree, you know? I got you. A um, little. You've got to elevate more, it. Yeah, for sure. And Christmas, we just did a bunch of like specials. I got you. Like, did a couple of pasta specials, like a duck ragu and a spetzel pasta special. Man, it just seems odd that people would be so grumpy during that time and just working. I mean, I understand why that day would suck to work with. I mean, especially you being a, a football fan and, and missing uh, missing your Cowboys during that day. For sure. <laughs> but it just kind of – I know in general during the holidays – like people seem to be grumpier. Um, you know, I know comps and, and complaints always went up for this time of year. Um, but it seems like, you know, that day of at least people would kind of just get through. I mean, you would think so, but honestly it was Thanksgiving was the worst. Christmas wasn't as bad, but Thanksgiving wow, was weird. for sure. One of the saddest days I've ever worked. <laughs> yeah. In uh, that kitchen was an open line, so you could see everything, right? Oh yeah. Hmm. That is sad. But on the bright side, me and the cooks and the chef all had a good time because, you know, we're not going to be miserable. We're working. We're having a good time. Oh, it was good. a hard shift. It was a hard shift, though. Did you know that you were going to be that busy? Were you able to prep for it? Or was it just like, oh, shit, what just happened? Uh, we didn't know exactly how busy we were going to be, but we knew we were going to be busy. But it was definitely unexpected on how busy we got. It also didn't help because the front of house was doing all that whole flat seating shit, like where they sit the whole restaurant at once, <laughs> which was not fun either. <laughs> right around 12. They're just trying to keep it interesting for you. For sure. Right around 1230, man, that whole restaurant was full and there was no food out there. Oh, yeah. No, there's I would. I I don't know if you've learned this yet. Um but whether it's you're in the kitchen or if you're in the pass where you just listen to the dining room and the louder it gets in the dining room, the worse it's about to be in the kitchen. For sure. Right. Because if people are, if, if it's loud, it means people are talking, having a good time, but they're not actually eating. Right. When everybody's eating it, the, the decibels drop, it gets quieter. So mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those, you get, learn to listen to that kitchen to, kind of forecast your oh shit moments because it's like hey man you're a lot of noise start ringing some shit in i we're not doing anything right now it's even worse than when you're in an open kitchen because you can see it happening (laughs) at least when you're in the closed kitchen you can kind of like it's a little bit more of a surprise (laughs) whenever it's open you can see all the servers go from table to table writing down a bunch of stuff and then go on that computer and just ring it all in at once the joys the joys well, at least they weren't doing it all. As I know, everybody now wants to go to using like handheld devices, mobile devices to, to order stuff. 
to save servers time running back and forth. And the part that I don't like about that, and I, I, I know you weren't doing that at the hotel. I don't think they were. But I know that was something we we dealt with building restaurants with that group. But is that time where the server stops and walks away kind of creates like a natural, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, buffer or barrier or something, um, time gap. Yeah, at least a good five minutes, you know. Not even that, you know, but it's something as opposed to just someone just standing there typing send, type send, type send. And all of a sudden it's just, it, it doesn't stop. And it's like, okay, listen. This isn't fucking Chick Fil A, no. Right? We're, we're, we're you we're know cook, we're cook, we're cooking food back here. Yeah, not even cooking it, but then plating it, um, yeah. and plating it properly. Um, we're not just this isn't just scooping shit onto a plate and sending it out, you know, and four different versions of a mash. Like no, this all this stuff takes time to do well and, and execute well. So yeah, I couldn't stand that. It, everybody, it's the same thing. Like hey man, how fast can we get this out? And it's like, that, that's not the point, right? I mean, yes, we want to create an experience for the guests. We want we don't want them to sit there for three hours, but there's a, a realistic time frame uh, that we can make this all happen in. And yeah, this isn't a fast for food sure. nation. And the other part, even though Chick-fil-A, they do all that stuff and everybody raises about them, they're not that fucking fast. And they only no, have, they have two things, fried chicken, grilled chicken, wait, I'll add salad on there. There's three things. And French fries. Oh, son of a bitch. French fries. All right. We're up to four, right? That's it, really. That's, that's it. That's it. And I mean, in it's they're not cooking to order. No, and, it's ready to go. There's and, mass amounts of it. Yeah. And it's not like they've got such a huge menu that you can order something and then modify the fuck out of it. It's like, do you want your sandwich with pickles or no pickles? <laughs> how many chicken how many chicken strips do you want? Three yeah. or four. Yeah. And, and I mean um, and so even with that, they're not that fast. So why, what, what makes you think that we can apply that same thing to a restaurant? Um, you can't, the place I'm working right now, that's what their ideal is like having food out within 10 to 15 minutes, which I try to do. But when we have a f- rail full of, uh, rail full of tickets, I can't do that. Well, nobody can, you know, no. realistically, that's like, okay, you know, if, if you've got, you know, a couple tables in and you're not doing a whole lot, depending on the menu, a 10 to 15 minute pickup for an entree is potential, right? There's potential there. But it also, once again, it depends on the menu, how you execute it, um, the size of the menu. And, but at a certain point, you know, it, <laughs> it changes as the more tables come in and the more tickets start lining up. Yeah, that. 10 to 15 minutes starts dragging out. Now you're 11 to 16. Now you're 20 or 30. Yeah, potentially. I mean, obviously once you get into that 30 minute range, it's just like, Oh shit, you know? Um, But then again, that also needs, Hey, give us some help seat a little bit differently. Um, You know, you see a hole in the ground. Don't just stick a chair in there. Um, For sure. You know, kind of create a pattern. Um, And it just, it, it makes it easier for everybody because otherwise it's just, you've got that hill where it's just the servers get slammed. Then the bar gets slammed and the kitchen gets slammed and then the servers get slammed again. You know, and it's it just is, a co- constant cycle. It is. It's so much that vicious cycle. And then everybody looks around at each other like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden you find out that the guests didn't have a good experience. 
because everybody's hurried and, and you did, you know, three quarters of the sales that you thought you could do. And it's because, well, servers are so busy. They're not trying to sell uh, or upsell. Um, and when they're also hurried and the guest feels hurried, you know, they'd order differently, right? Maybe the, the server uh-huh. couldn't get back to another round of drinks. Like there's so many different variables to it. So it's like, dude, just mellow things out, create a flow. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to have a better shift. The food's going to be better. The service is going to be better. The guest is going to have a better experience. And the restaurant's going to bring more cash. Yeah, as long as, as, as if you're on a cons- consistent, steady flow and you're all working together, it's better for everyone involved. Always. The guests, you, the bartenders, servers, hosts. If you're all working in together, it's always better. Yeah. Communication is key. Hey, thanks for listening to part one. Part two will be coming out tomorrow. Keep an eye out for it. And don't forget to rate and review us five stars. And if you don't want to put five stars, just don't leave anything.